Hello and welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill. This is episode 112. Thanks for listening. Uh, oh, wait. Shh, I'm sorry. Here, a whisper. Is this better? This episode is coming out the morning after St. Patrick's Day. So I know many of you were probably out really late last night celebrating your dubious Irish heritage. Not that I think being Irish is dubious, but that I'm pretty sure a full 90% of all the people running around drinking green beer and wearing plastic quote-unquote leprechaun hats are not at all Irish. So for those of you who reveled in ancestry that is not your own, and for those of you who did, I hope you had a good time, and of course, that you celebrated responsibly. I'm recording this, actually, on St. Patrick's Day Eve, but I can already tell you that I did not partake in any uh, St. Patrick's Day revelry. I'm a boring middle-aged man with a wife and kids, so I am pretty sure we just had a normal, quiet Saturday. Um, But, you know, if I'm totally wrong about that, on the next episode of the podcast, I will, of course, fill you in on the parts of the day that I can remember. All right, so what's new, everybody? By the way, I've abandoned the whispering thing. Um, you know, go get some coffee, you know, buck up, little uh, celebrator. Um, it's a word. And uh, let's move on with the show. Let's do a Mad Mike Hughes update. On this uh, post-2018 St. Patrick's Day world, in this post-St. Patrick. Let's try that again. In this post-2018 St. Patrick's Day world, I believe, the Earth is still flat. Mad Mike recently posted on Facebook that he has gotten the new parts that he was waiting for. On March 13th, he posted that the plunger slash nozzle and actuator was, he's supposed to say were, reinstalled today on the rocket with the new O-rings at the top of the propulsion system. And he has a picture of what I guess is supposed to be showing that. The post before that was on March 11th. Everything is ready to reassemble back inside the propulsion system. I will open the launch up to all the media. This is a change. Uh, I wonder what happened to Noise TV. Uh, I kind of had the impression they had an exclusive on this because Mad Mike hates all the liberal media. But uh, as of March 11th, anyway, he was saying he would open the launch to all the media, which now, according to him, looks like March 24th. I've already changed my calendar to uh, check that day to see whether Mad Mike has been eaten by a dragon at the edge of the world. Um, For those of you who don't know, of course, Mad Mike is on a quest to launch a man-made, homemade rocket into the atmosphere and take pictures proving that the Earth is indeed flat. Uh, He's had some mechanical troubles along the way since November. But uh, we're pulling for you, Mad Mike. For example, there's the uh, commenter who noted, my sphincter still has a more reliable O-ring than your rocket. But then there's the... uh, guy who noted that the Wright brothers probably got the same amount of S from people until their success. Go, Mad Mike. Or this guy. Mike, you should wire lock all your fasteners, and those welds don't look too good at all. Please be safe. Mike himself responded to that one. He said, Engineers normally never build anything. You have no idea how this is constructed and or my background in fabrication. Take that. Well, we still wait with bated breath. Oh, on March 6th, apparently this whole noise TV thing has a new title. I think previously I was telling you that it looked like they were calling it Mad Mike Hughes, One Man. Now apparently it's The Chronicles of Mad Mike Hughes, and Chapter 2 is the launch. 
not entirely sure what chapter one was, and I don't really care. So, alright, so if you guys have any thoughts on the Flat Earth, and, you know, helpfully, any idea how this relates at all to a video game podcast, since I seem to have made this a regular feature on the podcast, you know, hit me up on social media, or uh, email me at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. Well, that's enough of that for today. What else? Oh, I noticed this. Famed director... Wes Anderson has a new movie coming out this year called Isle of Dogs. It appears to be an animated feature. It stars Brian Cranston in, I guess, the lead role of Chief. Uh, these are all voice roles, of course. It's an animated film. Koyu Rankin, however, and this is what caught my attention. He's playing, I guess, a dog. Maybe it's a cat. But anyway, the animal's name is Atari. That can't be a coincidence, can it? I don't know. I haven't seen the movie. Obviously, yet it hasn't come out yet, but that did catch my attention. So I am curious when this movie comes out if there's any reference at all to video games. I am just as curious to see if at any point in the movie Brian Cranston's character says, "I am the dog who barks." Unless you were a Breaking Bad fan, uh, that joke doesn't mean anything to you. Uh, and even if you were a Breaking Bad fan, you probably think that was a dumb joke, and you'd be right. Uh, the movie also has Edward Norton, Leah Schreiber, Greta Gerwig, so there's some big names. Bill Murray, it's a Wes Anderson film, you gotta know Bill Murray's in there somewhere. Uh, Jeff Goldblum, Bob Balaban, Scar- wow, Scarlett Johansson, Courtney B. Vance, Tilda Swinton, F. Murray Abraham, good grief. Everybody's in this movie, except me. Hey, I have a voice, and I've recorded my voice, well, at least 112 times now. And put it out for the world. I could be a voice in a Wes Anderson film. Uh, so, Wes, if you're listening, uh, hit me up. I don't know. I have high hopes for this film, of course. Wes Anderson films are an interesting thing to me. I've watched, I think, all of them. I didn't love the other Wes Anderson animated film. What was it called? Uh, George Clooney was, was the, uh, the voice of the, the lead fox. It was a family of foxes. Well, shoot, I have IMDb right here. Fantastic Mr. Fox, that was it. I didn't love it. I did not love it, but I didn't love it. And I've kind of felt that way about a lot of his movies. I really want to like them, but I've never quite gotten what people see in them. I've found them all intriguing. I rewatched Life Aquatic with, with Steve Zizou a few years ago, and I kind of felt like I was starting to get it but I couldn't put my finger on what it is. I don't know. If any of you can explain to me what the allure of Wes Anderson movies is, please do, because I think I'm kind of getting it, but I can't quite articulate it. It's kind of like physics, quantum physics, uh, which is on my mind. Of course, we just lost legendary scientist Professor Stephen Hawking, and I've read one or two at least of his books, books by Brian Greene, uh, those kind of, you know, science for normal people books. And same thing happens every time I read one. As I'm reading it, I can get what they're saying. It's like, oh, okay, this makes sense. And, and uh, okay, I understand how that uh, concept relates to this concept and, and why this thing happens and stuff. So I read the book, and then I close the book, and I put it down, and it immediately, all that knowledge evaporates. Someone asks me what the book is about, I say things like, uh, science stuff? But I can't, I lose the ability to explain the concepts uh, that I just read and ostensibly understood. And, and I kind of have the same reaction to Wes Anderson movies. I've gotten to the point where I can watch one as, as I'm watching it. 
I can say, okay, yeah, I kind of get what they're doing here. But then once it's over, I can't explain why anyone else should watch that movie. I don't know. So if any of you can explain that to me, please do. But at the moment, the more important thing is Atari, in some small way, has or will appear in a Wes Anderson movie. Now, it's probably going to turn out that Atari is actually some sort of Norse term or Eastern European name or something. And actually has nothing to do with the video game system. But I hope that it does. And I hope that there's some sort of reference to Atari video games in the movie. What else should we talk about? Oh, I know. I played a game this week. Maybe we should talk about that. This week's game is Fishing Derby from, oh, get ready guys, Activision 1980. We do love us some Activision around here. Fishing Derby is, as it says on the tin, a fishing game. Uh, And as Fishing Derby, uh, or rather as instruction manuals from Activision are wont to do, uh, we get a little blurb right there on the front page. Lovely little picture of two fishermen on, on a pier. Actually, uh, opposite piers uh, on either side of this uh, river, or lake, or whatever it is. Dipping the lines in the water, and there's all the fishies and a shark, uh, interestingly. And the little blurb says, This is one of the Activision video games that is fun to play, even if you don't know the rules. So go ahead. Basically, they're telling you, you know, forget reading this manual. But we're going to read it anyway. Use your joystick controllers, and when you're ready to find out why some fish bite and some don't, how to tell the whoppers from the lunkers, and especially how to keep the shark from eating your catch, read these simple instructions. Good luck with the reading or the playing. That part's not real clear. You know how to turn on your game system. We're using the joystick controller for this. Left joystick controller controls the fisherman on the left, and that's the one you're using if you're playing against a computer. Right joystick, obviously, controls the fisherman on the right. You know how to hold the joystick with the red button at the upper left. Move your joystick uh, from left to right to move your pole out and back, which isn't actually true. You're not moving the pole, you're moving the, uh, the line. To lower and raise your line, move the joystick up and down. For difficulty. A, uh, on the A setting, the fish won't bite unless you get the end of your line right under their nose. And on the B setting, fish will bite if you get the end of the line near his mouth. Hint, when learning fishing derby, handicap the computer at A and put your switch at B. So cheat, basically, is what they're telling you. Activision is all for cheating. It says so right here. There are six rows of fish from the top down. They count as follows. Uh, first two rows are two pounds each. Second two rows are four pounds each. Bottom two rows, eight pounds. Sorry, six pounds each. Big ones are down deep. Go for them. Press game reset to start each fishing derby. First player to land 99 pounds of those beautiful fish wins. How to make them bite. Drop the very end of your line. That's where the bait is. Down to the level you want to fish. Then move the bait to touch the mouth of the fish you want to catch. The difficulty settings determine how close the bait has to be before they bite. Got one hooked? If you don't do anything, after you're hooking a fish, he will swim slowly up toward the surface and the shark might gobble him up. If you want to reel him in fast, push the red button. Be quick though. When both players have hooked a fish, only one can reel up at a time. The first one hooked, the other fish will swim up slowly until the first fish has either been caught or eaten by the shark. That seems kind of crappy should be every fisher person for themselves. If I got one on the line, why should I have to wait for you? Fishing is dog-eat-dog. Dog-fish, that is. Then we get some tips from the man himself, David Crane, designer of Fishing Derby. 
he's going to tell us how to be a champion fishing derby angler. Angler is what fisher people tell other people they are when they want to sound way cooler than they actually are. That's me, not David Crane. David, as we all know, was formerly a senior game designer at Atari and also designed Dragster for Activision. He believes in taking on game assignments that everybody else says are impossible and always gets them done. Well, I think somebody's angling for a raise 38 years ago. Mr. Crane says, the most important thing I can tell you is to watch out for the shark. He put that all in caps with an exclamation point. I've made him quick and wily and unpredictable. If your fish touches the shark anywhere, he'll turn in a flash and snap it up. So try to keep your fish away from him while you're reeling it in. Once you've hooked your fish, you'll want to play him back and forth until the shark moves out of the way. Then push the red button and land him quickly. You can reel in more or less slowly by pressing or releasing the red button. And you can move your line back and forth with your joystick. Since the big fish are in the 5th and 6th rows, go deep. Start with the 5th row if you're the player on the left. You will have a little not advantage there because you can reach the 5th row first. The players on the right, the player on the right should go to the 6th row to catch the big ones. Also watch to see which fish start from your opponent's side and which start from your side. As fish are caught, they are replaced on the side they started from. It's better for you to catch fish that start under your pier because you can usually go right back for another one. Fishing Derby is a game designed to be fun for everyone in the family. Now you won't have to get rained on or sunburned when you go fishing. I'd like to hear how you like it. It also has the advantage of not having to ride in the back of an open pickup truck while sitting on a, on a gas can bouncing over a rough pitted gravel road and sometimes not even a road through the thick Canadian wilderness dodging tree limbs which I had to do once on a fishing trip but that's a story for another time oh and did I mention that some of the gas from the gas can leaked and put holes in my pants when they ran through the washing machine the next time anyway different story different time and that is how you play fishing derby Fishing Derby was reviewed favorably by Video Magazine in its Arcade Alley column, where it was characterized as imaginative, colorful, and fun, providing children with better animation than Saturday morning TV. Take that, Saturday morning TV. And providing adults with a subtle game of skill. Boy, I don't know how that'd go that far. Overall, the reviewers recommended it as a family game. For example, Atari HQ, who notes that David Crane is best known for Pitfall and Decathlon, but some of his other unheralded creations are just as good. Fishing Derby might not have as much pizzazz as Crane's later 2600 games, but it's simple and fun, and you're guaranteed to catch more fish in 10 minutes of play than any real fisherman could probably catch in months of trying. Wow. Calling out Saturday morning TV and real fishermen. As is the case with many of Crane's creations, the game offers even greater enjoyment with two players, and there are some strategic moves to be made for consistent success at this game. And this lends interesting challenge to what could have been a, a very tame game. Quite simple, but remarkably fun. I'm not going to argue, actually. I, I think it is surprisingly fun. It's not the greatest game ever. It's not a game I'm going to play a lot. But uh, I, it's much more than I expected it to be. But, you know, what else could I expect from Activision? But that last part is all me. The Atari Times wrote in 2001 that today's generation of video gamers would probably find it hard to believe that a game like Fishing Derby for Activision was an award win during its day. And it's still a fun game today. Back when most video games were shooters, Fishing Derby was different. 
The game could be rather relaxing except for one thing, the shark. There's no music in fishing derby, just sound effects, uh, the sound of hooking a fish, the chomp of the shark eating your catch, and points ringing up. The graphics are good, if not eye-catching. Players are represented by stick figures. Uh, so while fishing derby may not be ultra-realistic, may not be the ultra-realistic simulation enjoyed by today's game, video game generation, it's good competition. Some games might not age gracefully, but this one has. And HonestGamers.com notes that I haven't ever seen a game... I haven't ever been a gamer that was a huge sports fan. Yes, fishing is a sport. But I always enjoyed most of Atari's tries in the genre. At first glance at the back of Fishing Derby's box almost two decades ago, I was impressed by the graphics at the time, and the game looked like it would be fun. But I don't. I didn't have the money to purchase it, my parents wouldn't subside to my whining, and I never saw the game on a store shelf again. Uh, eventually, he did get to play it, and finds that the object of the game isn't really original, but it's a nice little idea for a fishing game. Um, he notes that the, this fishing game, unlike many others, does away with all the you know, stuff about having to lure, cast, drive a boat around, etc. All you gotta do is sit there and fish. Fishing Derby isn't quite as fun as I anticipated it to be all those years ago, but it is a solid title nonetheless. He rates it 6.5 out of 10. Alright, so, I have some important information to share with you at this point. <clears throat> Down in the meadow in a little bitty pool swam three little fishies and a mama fishy too. Swim, said the mama fishy, swim if you can. And then they swam and they swam all over the dam. Tee <laughs> He said, dam. Boop boop didn dotum wadum chew. Boop boop did a dotum wadum chew. Boop boop didum dotum wadum chew. And they swam and they swam right over the dam. And then the fisherman caught them and ate them. They were super tasty. After the break, toast that bun. Smear on that tartar. Oh yeah. One fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish. The red state divide is real. The red and blue fish divide is real. That's what they'd like you to believe. Fake news. Sad. As long as everybody orders the tuna, we'll be just fine. It's so, alright. So I'm dipping my line in the water. Playing on the A setting. Which is a little trickier, I've discovered, but I'm going for it. I like the look of this game. As the computer fisherman is kicking my fishy butt. Um, as a kid, we would make yearly trips to Canada to fish. Uh, and a lot of little, you know, weekends here and there, different lakes in Minnesota and whatnot. I fished in a lot of different places. I don't remember there ever being sharks. Just caught a big one. Shark took it. Stupid shark. No. Yes. Oh. The computer only has twice as many points as I do. I still have a chance. Ooh. My chance is quickly slipping away. 
Um, so the fishermen are rendered uh, pretty well. Um, as much as fishing can be made realistic on a 1980 video game, uh, it feels fairly realistic. There's a little bit of strategy involved in terms of how fast you reel in your line, whatnot. So that's all good. Fishy movement is uh, somewhat realistic. Um, I, there's no way I'm going to win this game because fishy is because a uh, green computer man is almost to 99 points. It's kind of like the rule in uh, gym class when you're playing softball. If the other team's ahead of you by you know a million points, the game has to end because you know a mercy killing because you're getting slaughtered. Dow. Oh! Alright, so the computer might have gotten three times as many points as I did. But the fish story I'm telling later is that I scored 899,000 points. And you weren't, you are here, but you can't see it. So you don't know if I'm lying or not. Except that I told you earlier that I had a really bad score. Um, hey, who wants another beer? Back to you in the studio. So here's the thing about fishing derby. I put it in this morning started playing and I was immediately struck that it, it, it's, you know, for a 1980 fishing game, it's a pretty good looking game. Yeah, the graphics are simple. I found the fish movement realistic enough. I was a little bit surprised when I read the description of the game. I thought basically you'd just be dropping your line, waiting for a fish to catch it. Maybe you can move it up the line up and down. But you can actually do quite a bit more with the speed of the, the line, um, you know, playing the fish back and forth. Um, I find it a little weird that there's a shark in this uh, little lake that you're fishing on and you're just kind of sitting on the pier like 12 inches away from it. But I guess it, as you know, games go, they kind of have to have some sort of an element that you know, provides a, an obstacle to you reeling in this fish. I guess the other option would have been if you could in some way cast your line and you know, gouge out your opponent's eyes with the hooks or something. So I get it. It's a mechanic for the game to make, to make more of an obstacle for you. So yeah, uh, it's fun. It's, you know, it's an amusing little game. Kind of like the reviewer said, it's simple, but uh, maybe not addictive, but, you know, a pleasant enough time playing it. But of course, as always, we want to know, what's the fishing derby really? Where's the derby part? What's going on in this game? Well, I think it's obvious, right? It's a fishing derby. G'day, race fans. It's a gorgeous day here at Underwater Downs, home of the 85th Annual Swimming of the Fishing Derby. I'm your commentator for today's race, Mick Mackerel. Let's take a look at who's on the starting line. Before we read the lineup, we need to note one change to your race form. Weinstein's White Piranha has been scratched from today's race due to allegations of inappropriate finning. Now, here's the lineup for today's race. On the inside is Pisces Pike. Then Ticklish Tuna, Fine Piece of Bass, Halibut for the Hell of It, The Surgeon Sturgeon, Gosh Darn Great Grouper, Make Way for Marlin, Photo Fin-ish, Holy Crappie, It's a Walleye's World and We Just Live in It, The Underwater Menace, Dennis the Northern Snakehead Menace, and rounding out the patch for today's race, Bob. The track for today's derby is, well, it's wet. It's wet pretty much every day. It's a pond, for goodness sakes. Anyway, the racers are swimming into position. The starter's gun, 
actually one of those little tropical aquarium scuba diver spear guns, fires. And, oh, that's got to hurt. Anyway, moving on quickly, let's just start the race. Dennis, the northern snakehead, jumps into commanding lead, aided no doubt by his extra set of lungs and ability to wriggle over rough terrain. But Pisces Piranha is close behind in second. His owner tells us Pisces' victories written in the stars. We shall see. Holy Crappies in third, followed by Halibut for the hell of it. Marlin, Grouper, Photo Finish, Walleye, Sturgeon, and the Tuna are behind. A fine piece of bass rounds out the pack. Bob never even got out of the starting date. Who let that shark in here anyway? Whoa! Holy Crappie surges into the lead. Pisces Piranha drops into third. Crappie and Dennis are now neck and neck in the lead. Or they would be if fish had necks. The Surgeon Sturgeon and gosh darn great grouper jockey for position in the middle of the pack. Fins and spawn flying fast and furious. Holy Crappie makes her move. She holds a commanding lead by what would be a nose if fish had noses. Into the home stretch now. And, and I can't believe my walleyes. From out of nowhere... Here comes Photo Finish up the outside. And Photo Finish wins the race. As if no one saw that coming. And here comes this year's fishing derby sponsor, Red Lobster, to bestow this year's prize. Hey, why do they have that lemon? And what's in that trophy? Tartar sauce? And... Oh my god. Oh, the fish manatee. I tell you why I can't find you. Every time I go out to your place, you gone fishing. Oh, you know. But there's a sign upon your door. Uh-huh. Gone fishing. I'm real gone, man. <laughs> you ain't working anymore. Could be. There's your hole out in the sun. Where you left a row half done. You claim that hoeing uh, ain't no fun. But I can prove it. You ain't got no ambition. Gone fishing. By a shady, weighty pool. Shangri-La. Really la. I'm wishing I could be that kind of fool. Shall I twist your arm? I'd say no more work for mine. Welcome to the club. On my door I'd hang a sign. Gone fishing. Instead of just a wishing. And that's our show. Thanks to Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for creative commons use of his songs. Reformat, Take a Chance, and Pinball Spring. You can find Atari Bytes on many podcatchers, which you know by now. But make sure wherever you listen, please go to iTunes and swim upstream to spawn a review of the show. You can also support the show financially at the Atari Bytes Patreon page, or by picking up Atari Bytes, go play some old games, shirts, and whatnot at Zazzle.com. Our store has the handy rolls-off-the-tongue name of capital A, capital B, underscore pod, underscore store. Our website is ataribytes.libson.com. You can email the show at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. Links to all of that stuff in the show notes. Like the Atari Bytes Facebook page, follow the show on Twitter at Atari Bytes, or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. 
And don't forget to look for us on Instagram, too. And while you're not forgetting things, don't forget to go check out my other show. It's a podcast, Charlie Brown, where you can get a fix for all your Charlie Brown and Snoopy needs. New episodes of that show drop on the 15th of every month. Next time on Atari Bytes. Video Pinball. The only Atari game my mother ever liked to play. And we're doing it next week on the podcast. So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you. Oh, 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 oh,